to the Focus Series by Dental Head Start, where we focus into your favorite topics. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Dental Head Start Podcast. My name is Erica Huynh and today we've got something a little bit different, something a little bit new because we'd like to present to you our brand new segment, the Focus Series. Now over the years we've tackled all sorts of topics from being a new grad to finances, practice ownership, mental health, a whole lot but we know for a lot of these topics it's so broad and complex that we're barely scratching the surface for what there is to talk about them. Our focus series aims to take a deep dive into these areas and covering multiple different aspects from different sorts of angles. Each focus series will have a special guest host, be someone who's very familiar and involved and deeply ingrained in that topic. And so we'll get to hear from them as they bring on different guests across a series of different episodes. And so kicking it off for our very first focus series, I am very excited to introduce Dr. Philip Nguyen, who is our guest host for our new grad focus. Philip, welcome to the team. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's a bit of an honor to be a co-host of Dental Head Start. It's something that I've been listening to for a very long time now. And so to be a part of the creation process is really exciting. Well, yeah, Phil, you've obviously been a long-time listener of the show, but we had you on as well as a guest. So you've been a listener, you've been a guest, and now you're going to be a host of the show as well. And so for all our listeners, um, if you haven't already, you should check out uh, two episodes, two What I Wish I News that Phil and I recorded together. And you get to know a little bit about him from those. But Phil, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your plans are for the new grad series? So... I am a fresh out of university new grad this year, so first year out. I studied at La Trobe University in Victoria, and I'm originally from Adelaide, um, and now I'm working in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast at Avenue Dental. So I guess the idea of the focus series really came from how challenging my first few months and how challenging it still is to this point when you finish university and come out as a new grad. Um, there's so many different things that you just don't expect. And, you know, you go through university and they teach you all the clinical things, all the theoretical things. There's a whole other host of things that come along with working that, yeah, you just sort of don't learn about until you actually start working. And so um, a lot of the things that we cover in the new grad focus series covers a lot of those things. So it sort of will, will, will help any final year students currently who are finishing their exams um, and then sort of preparing for their first year of work. And hopefully it will make the transition for them a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. And as I said before, throughout our time of recording episodes, we've talked to a lot of different people. We've spoken to people who are 10 years out, but people who are early in their careers as well. And oftentimes in What I Wish I News or Features, you don't really get to delve into all the intricacies that there are of a certain topic. And after all, our motto is to help new grads out, right? I think the new grad focus really aims to break it up into digestible pieces. Do you want to give us a little bit of a breakdown of how many episodes we're looking at, what kind of topics our listeners can look out for? Yeah, we've broken it down into five separate episodes. So it almost flows on in a chronological order and when you should do things. And so the first episode covers a bit of a checklist on, on what you need to be completely ready to start work. So radiation licenses, you know, um, indemnity insurance, provider numbers, contracts, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then after that, the series flows on into things about, you know, finding the right job for you, differences between public and private. And then um, we sort of also go through my personal experiences as to um, what I found works best for me. And then 
you know, the new grad experience is is unique for everyone, but I sort of try my best to share my experience and so that others can sort of learn from from what I've gone through so far. And the last episode really just summarizes um, everything that we've spoken about uh, throughout the whole series. And so um, we're getting on a dentist who's been out for a few years, and then um, it's going to be like a little tip for success episode. Yeah, absolutely. And we're looking to kind of release this focus series progressively over the next few months, especially as we're wrapping up the year. Everyone going through a big transition to what the new year will hold, right? So exciting things for everyone to stick around and stay tuned for. Phil, you've kind of teased a little bit about what our first episode will be about, but would you like to tell us who have you brought on for this first episode kickstarting our new grad focus? So we have brought on Dr. Margaret Tran. She is a friend of mine from uni. We worked together quite closely on a few committees um, and I thought she'd be the perfect person to talk about her experience when she transitions from from uni to work. She's currently practicing in regional Victoria. And yeah, we speak about all the things that you have to get ready uh, before you start work. And I think we've both had similar experiences in in delays and processing times, things like APRA and provider numbers and that sort of thing. Um, And I think that's a common experience for almost everyone that graduates. And so it's a good episode and um, hopefully people who, after listening it, will will have a list of things that they um, know that they will need to get ready before they start work. Well, this will be directly relevant to me because it's what I'm going through <laughs> right now. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited, Phil. Thank you for recording it. I'll definitely be taking notes. But without further ado, let's dive into our first part of our new grad focus with Dr. Philip Nin and Dr. Margaret Tran. The last five years have been really good in dental school at La Trobe University. The final year I was in Mildura on placement for the whole year. So that's about six, seven hours drive from Melbourne, which is quite a bit of a drive. So I was pretty much stuck there with um, seven others down there. A lot of fun um, on placement. So we had placement probably three days a week seeing patients. Um and then the other days were spent studying for exams or doing assignments or just hanging out pretty much. So Mildura was good because it was quite a rural area. We saw a lot of patients who were from different backgrounds, so Indigenous patients, refugee patients, so interpreter. And we were in the public sector, so a lot of different cases that we saw there. When you say refugee patients um, and you had to use, use an interpreter, was there like a specific background that you encountered the most or was it like a bit of a mix? Yeah, it was a bit of a mix. So there were actually a few Vietnamese patients um, and I'm Vietnamese myself. So every time there was a Vietnamese patient, they'd call me in and make me interpret. But otherwise, just a whole different range of backgrounds in the area. Mm. I have one Vietnamese patient at the moment who can't speak very um, good English and I'm really struggling. Oh no! <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to, um, they came in in an emergency appointment for, uh, like with a toothache so we had to do root canal treatment and describing all the different specific, you know, dental terms, especially for root canal treatment in Vietnamese was so difficult. So yeah. It's hard. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it is hard. I had Google Translate up <laughs> at times, but um, you should dial yeah. me in, Phil. I'll help you out. <laughs> we get to the towards the end of the year and we had our exams around October, November. But what was sort of the first thing that you turned to to help you uh, go through that transition of, of becoming um, a working dentist? Was there like, something that you 
you looked at in particular or did you have advice from other people? Yeah, so um, throughout the year I was chatting to friends who were in the year above who had graduated the year before to ask them how to prepare, you know, when to start looking for jobs, when to start doing all the other stuff like APRA, radiation license. So I did have a little bit of guidance from my friends but throughout the year we also had um, a few talks from the Australian Dental Association Victoria Branch, who kind of guided us through and just gave us tips and pointers of what we needed to do. So one of the things that really did help me was the ADA um, graduate handbook and also the ADA VB graduate handbook, um, which just has a whole checklist of things that you need to do and also what they are and how to go about them. So if you haven't had a look at them, I really, really recommend that you go online and search it up and have a quick read because that was instrumental in how I planned out my final steps to become a graduate. And I think it's so important to yeah, literally have a checklist that you work through one by one because there's just so many things that, that you have to do. And then it's so easy to to forget about one and then, you know, you're ready to start working. But then on the first day, you realise you haven't got one thing checked off and then you have to delay, you know, your starting day and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And um, I think this episode's going to be like a bit, bit of a checklist as well. And so as you're listening along, um, people can sort of make little notes of, of specific things that they need to do. And we'll talk about all the different times and, um, you know, how long it normally takes for things to be processed as well. But as a quick overview, I think the, the main parts of graduating and, and that transition um, is really going to be a few things. And so um, the first thing is going to be your ARPA registration. Um, your second thing is your provider and prescriber numbers. Third, and this might be different um, state by state, but radiation licenses. And then the last two things is professional support. So it's something like the ADA. Um, and then um, also indemnity insurance. And so there's a few things that you know, that, that might be added here and there, but those are sort of the core things that um, almost are necessary to, to, that you need to, to be starting work um, in, in the year after you graduate. Yeah, definitely. For APRA, I personally found it a little bit challenging because on the website, there's just so many different sort of bits of information that, that you're reading. And because there's so many different medical disciplines, you know, it's doctors, nurses, you know, chiropractors, a bit of everything. It's hard to sort of tell what information is specific to dentists. What was your experience like with ARPA registration? Yeah, I at the start, it was a little bit confusing just because we've never done it before or we didn't even ever need to touch it in the last five years. I They have a really good video of a how-to tutorial on how to do your license. So I did watch that. And one of the things I recommend with APRA is that they do let you start applying three months before you graduate. So during like October, November, I was looking into it already. And they always say get in fast because they're not just dealing with dental students, they're dealing with nursing, like you said, all those allied health and health science students as well who are getting their license for the first time. I went on October, November, had a look at the website, started gathering information because there's a lot of documents that you do need and they will reject you if you don't have the right document or you haven't put in the right information. I think you got rejected, right, a few times, Phil? Yeah. I think I think everyone has to get rejected at least once. It's almost part of the process. And because they're so busy, they're, like, very blunt about it. Like, there's no... You know, they, they don't really sort of help you to sort of get that next new document. It's that you need this one, otherwise we can't help you and that's about it. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to note that 
I think they state that you can apply three months before you graduate. And so if you have your your graduation date already already set by your university, then um, then yeah, backdating it three months and then literally starting um, that process as soon as you can. Because yeah, I remember um, I had friends who uh, started applying once we had already graduated. And because they do it chronologically, um, you know, it's sort of first and best dressed. Um, you're waiting behind so many other people. And, um, and yeah, it, it takes months to process, honestly. I know that some people were calling up every day being like, do you know how long it's going to be until my app is going to be registered? And because they're so busy and there's, you know, not a lot of staff, they don't give you a, a, a concrete time or date. And, um, yeah, it's just, it puts a question mark on your starting date for work. And it just adds a, a, a level of anxiety, I think, that that you don't really need, especially for your first day of work. I agree. And um, when they do say graduation date, they do mean like when your results will come out. So not your actual ceremony date. Start looking into it October, November um, and and apply. And they do take, like you said, a long time. They say about 60 days they can reach up to that point. I think mine did take around that long, about two or three months because once you apply they have to wait for your graduation results and then they start processing it fully the only other uh, point to talk about is that it does cost money to register with APRA um, and it has to be renewed every year and so I think it differs year by year but I remember that first sort of chunk that that um they took away from my bank account was roughly around that 700 to 800 dollar mark and so I guess having that ready as well or preparing in advance um, so that you're not sort of surprised on the day that you need to pay that um, to be registered is, is also important. Yeah, it does hurt. As a student, there's quite a few costs registering to be a new graduate dentist. So, um, so true. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> Save it up. So true. <laughs> Digital dentistry is a booming field that is becoming more popular by the day. If you've hesitated taking the plunge into what is a rapidly growing sector of our profession, then look no further. Avant Dental is a dental laboratory that specializes in digital dentistry. Avant Dental provides a range of services to dentists. Digital splints, digital wax-ups, implant guides, implant prosthetics, to our bread and butter crown and bridge work. They can do it all. Not only does Avant help in making sure you're doing everything right, but they are strong advocates for educating dentists. They've opened a new education center for clinical-based training sessions on all the latest techniques. Give them a call today or visit them at www.avantdental.com.au to find out more. Once you've applied for your APRA, that sort of gives you a bit more access to applying to other things. And so um, the next thing that I found that I was going to do after my APRA registration was my provider prescriber number. And so I think you actually need your APRA registration number to actually apply to to, uh, Medicare for these numbers. And so it makes it even more important, I think, to to apply for your APRA early because if you've got APRA took long to process applications, (laughs) Medicare takes even longer to to, uh, process these ones. And so what was your experience like, Margaret? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, it takes a long, long time. So I was in America at the start of this year on holiday and my friend was meant to start work before me, a week before me. And so she was applying for these things before I was because I was on holidays. And then I get an email from my boss being like, you need to apply now for prescriber. 
and provider because it's taking months on end because of her experience. So I quickly jumped on and then I applied and my work date was set for start of February, but because it took so long, I did get pushed back. Um, I didn't start work till mid-February and I think a lot of my friends had the same situation. It does take very long time and you need your APRA beforehand, which makes it even longer. So as soon as you get your APRA number, apply for your provider number and for your prescriber number because it the process itself is also a bit tedious as well. Everyone um, that I knew um, had to delay their, their start date because uh, I was meant to start work in mid, mid-January and um, what we ended up actually doing, and this is actually a good tip, is that you don't actually need a prescriber or a provider number to practice. Like you can see non-Medicare patients and non-CDBS patients, non-DVA patients, um, and also non-health insurance patients as well. So they just have to be fully private paying patients, and you just can't prescribe them anything. Or you can prescribe them something, but they just can't um, claim it back on the PBS. And so that was something that I got um, told uh, fairly early on. And so that's what I did for about two weeks, I think. And so I saw probably like maybe one patient every two days because most patients are going to have health insurance and they're, you know, they're going to be like kids who, who are un- uh, under the CDBS scheme. And so it's not really that, that good of a benefit. But I was just at work you know, observing during the day. And then if someone suddenly booked in for like an emergency and they like, were happy to pay the, the full private fee, then, um, then, then, yeah, that was an added bonus. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a long process, and I was calling honestly every day to Medicare, and they were probably sick of people calling because I knew so many other people that were calling at this point. And and yeah, it, it's a bit of a um, it's a, it's a dated system because everything is by paper, which makes it even worse. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, is it wouldn't it have oh, been so actually, easy if it was online? I think for us it was online. Oh no, it was paper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was by paper. Yeah, and so he, he had to sort of uh, take into account the the processing times of the mail, um, yeah, the postage and and mail and that sort of stuff as well. Um, I think Queensland yeah, is I, more paper based. I think we could do it online yeah. and send it through. You guys are a bit, oh, really? bit more outdated than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it was it was a difficult time, and then yeah, it's just so frustrating when when you're you know so excited to start working and you're you 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 prepared you know your your mental health and you know your physical health and everything, and then just to push it back is yeah it's it's discouraging. I think that's so true, and it mm. wasn't just for us that was annoying. It was also for our practices as well. I know they had to keep rescheduling right. patients, um, and then rebooking yeah. them and then rebooking them again. So yes, yeah, get onto it quickly. I um yeah on I know that on the uh, Medicare website they. Uh, they give a rough date or a rough time frame of how long it, ta- it takes to process all the applications. And so I think at the time when I first applied, it said something like 30 business days. And then as time went along, um, it like increased more and more. So it ended up being almost like 60 business days, which you can imagine is a very, very long time. And so, um, yeah, I think we can't stress how important it is to, to get in there early. Definitely. And one more thing I wanted to add was if you are practicing in different clinics you will need more than one provider number so every clinic that you are in um, is a separate provider number but prescriber number is just 
the one that you need. So also think about that. One of my friends um, working at the same branch, but um, just different different areas. So she had to get full provider numbers. Keep that in mind. And I think when you have your first one, it's um, very quick and easy to, do, to, to get new ones as well. So that first one, that, that is a little bit of a hurdle. The more you learn about orthodontics, the more you see it applying to almost every case. It might not always be necessary, but it's almost always an option. So then you think, I want to do aligners for my patients, and your challenge is to learn how to do that to a high standard. But once you've learnt that, many people find that the challenge then is how do you actually make that work within your practice? How do you make this efficient and therefore profitable enough for you to be able to provide that to your patients in private practice? There's two people I think about when I think about aligners and then practice management. That's Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green. And now they've come together to create Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform that is aiming to solve both of these problems for you in your practice, while also giving you huge discounts off the major aligner therapy companies. Over the next six years, aligner therapy is forecast to increase by 28%. This is a huge opportunity. Take it with both hands. Clearex.com.au now we've got our provider prescriber numbers what i found next that i did was i had to get my radiation license which was again another struggle to get i think this one was my worst one to be honest in terms of how long it took and i know that it differs state by state but what's it like in victoria to get your radiation license i was very lucky radiation license was really quick for me so i actually did radiation license after APRA because you I did it before I did my provider and prescriber number. It only took about a week for me to get it. Um, so I just had to hop online and then fill out the forms, making sure though that you do click the ones for OPG as well if you're going to take that at your practice because I think some people did miss out on that part and just trying to find some evidence to back up that you've had OPG experience or you've had um, intraoral experience as well because that did push back a few people yeah so I, I remember hearing about from a lot of our classmates in Victoria that you had to upload the syllabus that we did for radiography is that right yeah we did yeah exactly um, we had to provide evidence in order to get our radiation license yeah yeah and so in Victoria you need a radiation license even for intraoral radiography yes yes yeah. yeah. So okay. we need a general radiation license and then that will, mm-hmm. um, there's a different block. So whether you can take OPGs as well or CBCTs. Yeah. yeah. I'll speak for Queensland's behalf. The intraoral radiation license, I guess, is actually part of your um, registration as a, as a general dentist. And so if you're only taking intraoral um, radiographs like bite wings and PAs and that sort of stuff, um, you don't actually need a separate radiation license. But yeah, you definitely do need it for, for extraoral and CBCT. So OPGs, LATSEFs, that sort of stuff, which I think is almost fairly common. Almost every practice has it now in, in, in sort of modern dentistry. And so I imagine almost everyone would would, would, would need um, a radiation license um, upon graduating. Um, but, yeah, it definitely differs state by state. And um, what I found really useful is that on the, um, the ADA graduate handbook, um, they go through all the different sort of requirements state by state. 
Um, and so you can easily sort of look up um, your state and then find out um, what specific requirements that, that you have. Yeah, that was really good. And another thing with radiation is there is a cost to it as well. So another couple of hundred, um, I think they offer one, two or three year licenses, but another few hundred you need to save up for to apply. So talking about Queensland's behalf, I found out that they were very strict about uh, getting your documents certified, um, more strict than any of the other places. And so, and so reading the information very, very carefully and then you know how you need to like write that write down a little sentence saying that I, I certified yeah having that word for word correctly is so important at the allows after after the process of you know applying to all these different things how many times and did so, you get rejected oh um, uh, like i'm going to say <laughs> almost 10 <laughs> almost 10 times yeah goodness me i think i did get rejected once for radiation with the yeah certification yeah yeah <laughs> so mm, it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a big of a bit of a struggle, but once you get it, it's 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 all done, and then renewing is is fairly easy. I've heard. And now you know how to certify documents because you get to do it as a doctor. Hey, that's right, that's <laughs> right. Have you done any yet so far? One, I've done one, and I felt very important oh, yeah. <laughs> doing it. Yeah. I'm going to get like a stamp so that I can like feel very official. <laughs> Beautiful. I remember I took a, the, uh, we, we have stamps, so I stamped a sheet of paper and I mm. have it in my cupboard. I'm like, uh, this is my yeah. stamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. But the, the little things that you sort of discover when, you, when you're not a student anymore, it just makes you really, really happy. Yeah. Such mm. little things. But... <laughs> yeah. So Margaret, you're also a part of the um, ADA recent grad, uh, recent graduates and students committee um, in, in in Victoria. Can you maybe tell us a little about how important it is to have that sort of professional support, um, especially as as a new grad? Yeah, definitely. So um, yes, as you mentioned, I have been part of it for a few years now. So I was part of it as a student as well in my final two years. Um, the Australian Dental Association is so important for us dentists. They are pretty much the body that supports us. So they go out talking to the government, talking to other stakeholders, just helping us out in our cause. So, um, for example, public sector pay rises um, or trying to promote more oral health. Um, so they really, really just fight for us. But they, besides from that, they also give a lot of support in resources. So like we've mentioned, the graduate handbooks, that has been in integral in um, my steps towards a graduate. They also have a lot of human resources support. So if you ever get in trouble as a dentist or even as a student, um, they're only a phone call away and they can really help you out. So they've got heaps of resources there. Not only that, but they also provide a lot of um, events that they put on events where you can meet other dentists, oral health therapists and professionals um, so that you can just build your network. And they also um, hold quite a few CPDs as well that are targeted towards um, us dentists and they have a, a great committee out there planning all of those things. So, yeah, I think ADA is really, really great. One of the things that I love about the area that I'm the area that I'm in at the moment in Shepparton is that uh, we have our ADA VB group. So across Victoria and I'm sure across other states as well, they have the little groups in your location zones. And here in Gorbin Valley or Shepparton, um, the group here is 
quite active um, with their CPDs and with meeting up. So I have met a few dentists and oral health therapists in the region um, and specialists as well. So it's just a good good way to get in touch with other people around you. Adding on to that, it's, you know, when you graduate um, dentistry as a student, um, depending on where you work with, like you might be, you know, the only dentist uh, at a practice some days and you might be really isolated, um, you know, in a regional setting. And so um, having that sort of support uh, professionally and being able to sort of meet other people who are you know, dentists as well, who can sort of support you through you know, tough cases or uh, even just some someone that you can sort of vent to at the end of the day um, is, is yeah is, is really really important. Um, you know, we we always hear sort of the stories of um, you know mental health issues in in dentists in particular, and um, and yeah, having that sort of support very early on and sort of setting the foundations is um, I think is really critical in in really maintaining that optimal mental health. Like, obviously, we're still going to have really hard days, but. Um, you know, having that sort of support structure already set up um, sort of from the first day that you, you start working um, yeah, is, is really, really important, especially when like you're surrounded by your friends all throughout university, but then you move to different places across Australia. And so you don't have that access to, to talk to them as, as easily. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's one of the main important reasons for me that I find it important. Um, but yeah, there's so many different benefits that, that, that they provide that, um, that, that, you know, that, that, that will sort of suit other people as well. Yeah, I agree. And you're right. Like being a dentist, it can be isolating sometimes. Um, and just having that support network to know that you have people there so that you can reach out when you need to just someone who's been through this stuff as well. Just knowing that you have that person there that you can reach out to. It's really good. And I guess like on the same sort of wavelength as, as supporting you throughout uh, your working life. Um, and you know, it's sort of a very nice conversation to have, but having some insurance as well is, is, is also necessary. Um, I think the, the latest statistics show that, um, you know, you probably will have at least one, you know, one upper notification in, in your working life. And so being ready and being, being prepared for that is, is really important as well. And so, um, yeah, if with insurance providers, have you ha- um, had much interaction with yours yet since we've started working? Or Thankfully, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't had to reach out yet. Um, but indemnity insurance, yeah, super, super important. As a student going into working life, we are super lucky that a lot of the times the ones we've signed up for as a student, they will roll over um, and potentially give us a free 12 month or however many months membership with them. So at the moment, I think I'm with two or three that I've signed up for as a student that have just rolled over. So same with yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, like we, uh, we also want to say that we're not trying to promote a specific company or promote uh, a specific insurance provider. But is there something that you look for in one that that you think that you're going to stick with? Like just in speaking very broad terms. Um, I will say whatever the ADA supports, then I will go with whatever the ADA supports um with. But I I will probably look into it a bit further when I have to start paying for it because at the moment I am just on the free one, so I was like. May as well just keep all those ones. What I look for, I guess, word of mouth. I have been talking to people, friends as well, to see what mm, so they important. are on. Yeah, those who have graduated um, first, or my mentors as well, just seeing which ones they are on and why, what kind of support they've gotten. Just touching on that point again that you said about um, how ADA sort of partners with some um, companies as well, and so um, yeah, ADAVB has a specific uh, company that, that they partner with. 
um, Guild Insurance. And then so same with ADAQ, we have another company that they also um, partner with us as well. And so, um, yeah, it's just sort of finding out, speaking to a lot of, a lot of different people, um, people that you work with can really help as well because um, they sort of know the specifics of your practice and, and how things work there. Um, yeah, it can be really invaluable in terms of in terms of finding the right one. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I guess it's just important to say that it's just imp- that you need to have one because um, yeah, you you don't want to be sort of you know thrown into the deep ends when something happens and that you don't have that support already there for you. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure most, if not all, practices, public, private, they won't let you work without one. So it is a requirement mm. that you need to look into. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's right. So just look, um, awesome. make sure you keep on top of your emails because they will send you out an email about updating, um, changing it over from a student membership to a graduate mm. membership for a lot of them. Well, um, I think that covers most of the sort of core things that we need to sort of care about when when we um, finish university and, and and transition to to life as a new grad. There's obviously a few other smaller things like. Um, income protection and all that sort of stuff that I'm um, a bit more sort of niche and a bit more specific that um, that, you, that you should definitely speak to someone about specifically for your own personal circumstances. Um, but I think what we've covered today has has really covered the the, the core basics and of, of what everyone needs um, to, to to sort of successfully integrate into that working lifestyle. Yeah, as I guess like, just to finish, Margaret, is there some sort of advice or tips that you'd want to give? Um, a family student or any sort of student listening to at the moment that you've already sort of um, sort of learned within the first you know eight nine m- months of, of your practicing life well two things one is that as a student in your last couple of months that you have left just try to use the people around you as much as you can and try to do what you can um, just to give yourself a little bit more experience or um more knowledge because when you do graduate you don't have those resources there at your doorstep so you don't have your professors or your teachers there um, where you can ask questions straight away yes you have people in your clinic potentially or mentors your boss but um, those lecturers those professors they are such a great help they have so much knowledge on them so tap into that while you can the other advice that I've had to learn to do um, this year is as a full-time working person, when you do graduate, it does take up a lot of your time, which you don't realise. So then uh, you might disregard your own you know, uh, mental health, your own physical health at the beginning, and it is hard to keep that balance. So just trying to give yourself a little break when you can, um, give yourself some rest, make sure you're keeping on top of eating healthy, exercising, making sure you get enough sleep. It's a lot harder to do than me just saying it, um, but making sure you take care of yourself. At the start as well, just give yourself a little break and go easy on yourself. The first month is rough. First month I wasn't exercising, I wasn't sleeping heaps. It just felt very tiring, the grind, doing full work, mm. yeah, full-time work. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's so common for especially first year um, graduate dentist to just completely burn yourself out so quickly mm-hmm. um, because like, you obviously want to do the best for your patients and do the best for your workplace but yeah you've also got to put yourself first as well and that's something that we're going to be covering in another episode during this series and so awesome. um, yeah so stick around so that we can um, yeah learn more about that as well but 
Thank you so much, Margaret, for joining us today. It's um, yeah, really invaluable having your insight um, on this on this podcast episode. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Phil, for giving me this opportunity. And it's been so good. We used to work together um, on our committee in university, and it's been three or four years since that time. So I really miss working with you. So um, thank you for mm. this, Phil. No worries. Thanks, Margaret. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.